Hello, I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of the Banderflix podcast. So in this edition of the podcast, we're going to be looking at a film that has a divided opinion between the Battleflix ranks. That, of course, is Ari Aster's Hereditary. I'm joined in this podcast by Therese Wright. Hello. Joe McElroy. Hello. And Alice Byrne. Hi. Guys, we're going to sit down and discuss the film, unpack it and share our thoughts and decide if, to see if we can change opinions and come to some conclusion on our thoughts in the film. We're here at the Belfast Odeon and let's get on with the show. So, we're going to talk about Hereditary. I think it's a film that really has divided opinion generally. I think it's divided opinion between the Bantaflix ranks. Joe, you wrote the review for the website. So, you know, I think you're the perfect person to, to kick off this podcast. Tell us a little bit about the film. You give the film four stars out of five. So, why did you give it that score? Okay, well... Basically, the sad of the film is it's about this grieving family who are just coping with the loss of their uh, grandmother. And uh, it just follows them through their whole grieving process. But as, you, uh, as it goes through it, uh, you start to see how there's always been, you know, something off-kilt and very disturbing about the family. And then it is through that event that these things start to rise to the surface, but... It's not a straight, you know, family drama. There's supernatural elements and there's just something there that's just uh, more than meets the eye. Um, and just to answer your question, I really did like it. Uh, just like from the very moment it started, uh, where it has like the small, like the opening shot of just like the small dollhouse mm-hmm. and just pans in. It's just kind of like a bit strange when it has that... the. Like the score was like really set up the atmosphere and the mood of just this like weird sort of dread to it, and then it just starts with uh, you know just the setup for the funeral and that there, but uh, just from the get go, it's just the way in which the story is crafted. You know, you just uh, at its base level, what really makes it work is the family drama itself, and just the. Uh, and like I said, just going back to the synopsis, just the way in which they interact and cope with their uh, with the loss and how everything is just, you know, when you're watching, you're like, well, this this isn't, you know, it's kind of sort of dysfunctional the way that these people are interacting with each other and the way things are happening. And you're kind of, you're kind of constantly going, well, why is this? Why, why, why? And it's the way you're questioning things. And it's that element which has that unpredictability to it but once you get later in the film, there is a much more predictable side to it. But that, that's, that was just sort of backdrop to me. Like once it engages into the supernatural and the scary stuff, it's not that it's not effective. It's just not as effective as the actual drama stuff, which I thought was fantastic. But the thing that really makes the whole film work for me are the performances all around. Like uh, Tony Collette, I think that's the best I've ever seen her in any film I've seen her. She's just fantastic. Just well, the huge... come on, Muriel's no. Wedding. Come on. All right, since then, okay. I'll, I'll be fair. Ridley Scott's favourite film, Muriel's Wedding, yeah. which he said in record many times. Uh, yeah, from, you know, since Muriel's Wedding, sorry. Uh, <laughs> just lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, she just the wide range of emotions that she goes through and how she's just trying to hold things together as you know, her whole life's falling apart. Uh, it's just magnificent to watch and even the supporting cast like it was nice to see Gabriel Byrne 
in a film again. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while, but he was very good and very solid as like the sort of emotionally ineffectual father. Like he's like seeing he's like the straight man, the whole thing. He's like, oh, everyone's sort of losing their minds, and I'm just trying to wonder, like, how the hell am I going to keep this all together? Uh, the son in it was very good as well. Alex Wolf, I think mm-hmm. is the actor's name. Um, yeah, he was quite good, but uh, it was the little girl in it, Charlie. Uh, Lily Shapiro? Her, that's her name, yeah. Uh, she was brilliant. It's just it's just her presence alone. Yeah, that and... Oh, yeah. Her presence alone was just fantastic in the film. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was a, a brilliantly crafted... Uh, and genuinely scary horror film, and it's been a while since I've you know generally felt chills watching a film. That's that's your thoughts. Now I have to say I've seen the film twice. Now I'm going to hold back for now because mm-hmm. I think I came to it, um, and if I'm honest, from my first viewing, there was a sense of disappointment, but a sense of disappointment in a sense of predictability. And I'll come back to that because I mean we're, I'm going to be honest. We have our spoiler queen on the show. We're, we Hereditary's been out for a while. We're going to give fair warnings, you know. I don't think we need a spoiler canon. We're going to be spoilerific, I think, kind of from almost the get-go. So you can be spoilerific. I have a, a sense of disappointment about the ending, about the predictability. But on my second viewing, I think that there's more at play in that even though that we know things are happening and all the cogs are already kind of all working away to get to this ending, I still think the ending is predictable even as bonkers as it is, and it is pretty bonkers, but I get a sense, I've now thought about it after my second viewing, and I think, hmm, I actually, I think I have problems with it, I'm disappointed with it, disappointed with it, but I actually really fucking like it. I really, really like it. Now, now you two, now Therese and Alice, you seem to have different reactions. (laughs) You were kind of tutting, you were kind of, Biting at the bit, Therese. You're looking like you're ready to go full on war path. Not <laughs> yet. There's there's a lot to go through. So, now. so you clearly had because I know on the discussions when we posted Joe's review on the website, you very quickly had a yeah. We're, we're quite <laughs> forward, were for, forward and saying I had a completely different reaction to Joe. Hundred um, percent. Now I have I have only seen the film once. Um, I strayed away from any sort of trailers and any sort of synopsis spoilers beforehand. Um, Me and my friend are are big into horror and any new ones that come out, we make it a tradition that the two of us go. Um, So we're both equally scared, which is why we like going together. Mm -hmm. And we thought that it would be the case that the two of us would be knees up to the neck, shaking the whole way through. She was knees up, Right up to her neck, whereas the whole time I couldn't stop laughing the whole way through, to the point where there was a couple in front, and the one thing I hate so much is cinema etiquette, and I felt so bad that I had to apologise. Hang to on, this coming from this coming from someone who, before we started to record, told me that she brings cans of yeah, well, alcohol into well, the cinema view. Well, not well, not uh, specifically to cl- disclose what cinema, but. Um, no, I, I felt Every so bad that I had, Every I had to apologise to the fellow after because I de- think I'd I Can I ask, is this one of the moments where you brought in a can of alcohol? Then? Absolutely no. not, no. Okay. Um, so, you know, every I can't disagree with everything Joe said and I completely respect your opinion, but my thing but, was... There's a big but coming but, here, But Joe. you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I think from the get-go it was predictable. Um... I mean, there, there's some of the, the scenes, don't get me wrong, that are pretty extreme, that do catch off guard. I mean, a, 
we can chat away without spoilers. The thing I'm going to go for shit away mm. is whenever Charlie's head comes flying off. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, your description that just, and, just flies off. Uh. It, it, you know, I think up to just that point, off. up to that point, you, you, as Joe was saying, there was that level of dysfunctional family. And to me, it all just felt really awkward and really forced. And it wasn't, there was nothing with each character that was drawing me in. And I suppose in a horror film, it's not really set up for you to like, you know, like a character in it. Mm. But at the same time, you need some, have some sort of relatability. And every single one of them that you came across, you, you didn't really care what happened to them, to be honest. And even Charlie herself, like, you know, you can tell that she probably feels quite isolated. <laughs> That's going to happen, true. As much as, like, as much as I didn't like the film, see, as soon as I hear that, it sends shivers down my spine. But, um, you know, Charlie is an isolated girl. And mm-hmm. y- you can see from the get-go that, that she is. And, you know, specifically when, you know, her mother's forcing her brother to bring her to this party. And she knows all too well that, they're going to a party. Like, he, he didn't, you know, shy away to say, I'm going to study with friends. She knows that he will be bringing Charlie to a party, which I just think is really weird. But, um... Like she was very young. She's very yeah, young. and early teens. Yeah. yeah. And, um... So, you know, coming back to kind of the shocking scene, so I suppose I, I was a wee bit caught off guard whenever... It's just about whenever it zooms in on, on Alex Swift's face. When you zoom in on Alex Wolf's face and he goes back in the house and he parks his car and he just gets into bed. And that bit, from that moment, then I was engrossed and I was like, right, I'm starting to watch this. And then again, it just tatered down. Um, like The whole thing with Anne Dowd's character, like, you know, there's immediately, you know, there's something off about her. Mm. Like, there's they don't really leave anything to chance. Um, you know, Alice, we were talking beforehand that this probably would have suited better if it was set up to be a drama. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the twist kicks in at the end. I think it would have it would have been more effective. And um, I suppose the first the first watch of the film, when it got to the end, I actually didn't know what happened at all through the whole thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would listen to podcasts quite a lot, obviously, mainly Banterflex podcasts, just getting it in there. Lies. Um, but there, there's a guy I would listen to who, who runs a podcast called Movie Crush. And um, him and this other fella basically just slice the film down. And it wasn't until I actually listened to the two of them talking that I understood what it was about. Um, and they, they commented on some about the director that he, when he was writing it, actually wrote it as a drama. He didn't write mm. it as a horror film. See, I knew that. Mm. And then it was the marketing that came in. And said, no, you need to take this in a different direction. So I think maybe if he had stuck to his guns and went with the drama aspect, I think I... I don't know if it would have done as well, but I think I probably would have enjoyed it more, but that's just me being selfish. I... <laughs> I don't know. I... My gut always says to me, and we always have talked about this in the past with Bantaflix, you know, traders lie. Marketing men and women will sell their souls yeah. to get you to buy your cinema ticket. And I, I can get why that trailer. I have to admit, I stayed away from the trailer for Hereditary, mm-hmm. and that's maybe why I didn't have this kind of, you know, 
reaction of kind of annoyance that some viewers clearly have in the same way I know film we talked about before the recording it comes at night which is going to come up during this discussion Doesn't it's a film I absolutely <laughs> adored but that's a film that a marketing man has seen kind of either dailies or has seen a clip from and said right this is how we're going to sell this this is what we're going to give this to the audience this is what the audience want we'll try and market this as you know another conjuring spin-off and when you watch this film especially when I was watching it the second time you know, you're kind of waiting so many times to watch this go. You know, you're waiting for the knock on the door. Hello, it's Patrick Wilson and Vera Famarca. We're going to sort all your problems out. You don't get that here. And as I say, when I came out at the first time, I was really disappointed in the fact that the film doesn't leave breadcrumbs in the narrative. It leaves big loaves of bread. Yeah. And it's kind of like everything. It gets like honk. Mysterious neighbour appears. Mysterious neighbour appears. And you're like, hmm. My mother used to give to do little kind of um, thingies like this, and you're like, honk. Why would you not think that? Let's have a look at the bit of the book of spirituality. Yeah. Why are these weird people like following around and watching you and doing things? Honk. What is all the weird kind of satanic symbols and stuff? And the film that it kept coming back to me was Kill List. Now I'm gonna come back. Well, we're in spoiler territory. Ben Wheatley's Kill List is a film I absolutely adore. It is one of my favorite horror films. But in the fact there in that film. There is a twist similar to what we get here in Hereditary. But it's not that you don't see it coming. It's the fact that it kind of, it just kind of sweeps you up and completely goes for the gut and just kind of sideswipes you. Mm -hmm. This one, and I'm going to come back to this as to why I think on the second viewing, I don't have that as big an issue as I do with that than I did the first time. But this one, the breadcrumbs were there and it was just like... Even kind of like little things like the kind of the the, the fact that uh, Charlie has the she's allergic to peanuts. You get that like yeah. Hang on, has that got nuts in it? Yeah, foreshadowing. Has that got nuts in it? Because you can't eat nuts, <laughs> and we don't have our EpiPen. And you're like, all right, okay, we get it. And then when she goes to the party, there's someone the chopping up nuts. And you're like, oh, I bet you this. I remember from that bet. That's this lazy screenwriter going, hmm, let's connect the dots. I. I think I still think I I do like it, but I sense there was the potential for so much more. Alice, you've been sitting chomping at the bit, chewing so, at her nails. So what what does the spoiler <laughs> queen think of Hereditary? Because I think you you from kind of listening to you beforehand, and um, before we started recording, you're definitely more in kind of Teresa's camp, but I don't think you're maybe in the negative, or have I picked you up wrong? I'm a mix between everybody because I love dramas and I love horrors but I like to know when I'm walking into a drama or when I'm walking into a horror and I came out of I was walking into a horror for that because I didn't watch the trailer loads I probably saw it once but I read all the reviews coming up to it about this being billed as the scariest thing the new exorcist everything and I thought right this is it for me because I haven't been scared by pretty much anything else apart from what we were saying earlier the witch Joseph but apart from that, like everything else has sort of failed to scare. And then when you're sitting in this movie, it was brilliant at getting me engrossed in this family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she died, the fact that a brother killed a sister and they got the mood perfect that, oh my God, like shit, what would you do? Mm, and he yeah. just drives home and gets into bed. And then the mum finds her the next day. Because yeah. then I thought, have we imagined this? This He's mm -hmm. done this in his sleep. This isn't a... He didn't really do this. We're going to find this was a dream sequence. But she was dead in the car and the mum finds her. 
and the mum recreated the scene in the little dollhouse in the house. All of these factors together creeped the crap out of me, not because of anything supernatural, but because of just how dark and disjointed the family dynamic was. But it was, as you went, I felt that by the end of the movie, throwing, you know, you say there was breadcrumbs, sorry, there was loaves of bread, not breadcrumbs. I didn't get half of the things. I didn't think of the nuts. I didn't get half of the references the whole way through. I don't know what I was She's watching. allergic to these No, here's things. me. Oh, mommy, she's allergic to nuts. When did that happen? I have no clue. I'm sitting, I take it for exactly what it is. I read into nothing. I need yeah. to be told. And um, the only reference was, A, I saw adverts and read articles saying it was, was a supernatural horror, uh, which it wasn't. And then B, it was the words, you know, they had the Latin words mm-hmm. yeah. um, in every room. Oh, and then yes. they kept reminding you mm. something's going on. Yeah. And obviously... I can't read Latin if that's what it is so I didn't know what was being said so you were sort of going okay and it kept reminding me it was a horror without giving me any of the horror and that's what was bugging me yeah. I was like hang on I need, I need this ramped up now I'm so terrified by the messed up family dynamic here and what's all going on but I'm not scared by anything else and then when the fired Pam one in the end oh the demon it, yeah. you were saying was, about yeah about the ramped up thing like they ramped it up in the last 15 it was, minutes. It, yeah, it was just what? like, you thought here's was, all the hard stuff. You thought it was too rushed in that sense? Of course. Yes. See, I thought it was building to something like oh, that. Wow. No, That's the way building. I did it. And there's, oh shit, we forgot, Paymon. No, That's right. No, because it's constant. It's like, Jim goes back to the you know, idea of predictable. That's why I liked it so much. It's almost like, uh, you're watching a puppet master in a way. That's, I got that from the very first shot. The way you see the house and it just zooms in and then you know, yeah. the drama well, starts well this so, this kind of brings to sorry I kind of no, no, completely on, jumped on, in this kind of brings into the thing <clears> I, I that has made me as I sit and think about it because one thing I always love about a horror film is is when it gets underneath your skin you yeah. know if mm-hmm. I always have a problem like and as much as I am a, a sucker for the conjuring stuff you know the trailer I don't know if for you guys when you were at the film you know the trailer for the nun played before yeah. this People were, you know, effing and jeffing and jumping out of their, their chairs annoyingly because of the Nun trailer. It's just a great jump scare, but if you've seen The Exodus 3, it's been done. But I, when I, when I sat and, and watched this, my, my thought is now, the second time, you're kind of stepping in at the end game. You're not kind of like, from the moment those credits rolled, when you see that kind of, that... Uh, the, the funeral eulogy or the, fun- the the notice of the service at the opening credits. The end game for what is going to happen has begun. So from the minute you step in, that family cannot save themselves. This is not something that has just started to happen. This is something of the result of this cult for Paymon that we've mentioned have been manipulating this family for years. When I mean, you kind of go back and watch it again, you see that Tony Collette, her brother... Yeah. Uh, committed suicide because of voices in his head. Her yeah, father. It's, it's com- that scene where she's at the like the grieving sort of counselling yeah. thing, and that's basically Amazing. here's the exposition. Oh God, <laughs> like this yeah. poor woman she's been through so much. Like yes, and it's this. She I still had a pretty nice house. The whole thing. She's oh, all yeah. right. Well, Gabriel Byrne, you know, he's, <laughs> like, you know those models. But sell. what did Gabriel even do? That's the thing. Her life wasn't too bad. I don't know, Gabriel Byrne. He just there was a scene he was in the office, and then that was it. Yeah, he must be some sort of like. Stock, stockbroker thingy and she's like an artist so yeah I don't know notes on a postcard please yes. what, was Gabriel, <laughs> what was Gabriel Byrne doing in hereditary let me know like apart from going up and fire you know going up in the flight but can I say Jim you, you said you keep saying on watching it the second time but yeah. you shouldn't have to watch it the second time we well, should know these things we should be as a film given these things and I don't well as in I. it's not that 
my, my problem was the first time I watched it, I kind of seen from the start, we start to see the spiritual stuff. By the start, we start to see in the pentagram. From the moment we see um, Charlie kind of walking out towards this vision of her grandmother mm -hmm. in, with the, the, the symbol oh, yeah. in flames, I kind of went, right, this is Kill List all over again. But Kill List was much more subtle. Kill List would have done that scene with just a woman waving at a hotel as this person is the chosen one. Um, and I can, maybe it's because I've seen that. Maybe it's because, you know, stuff like Rosemary's Baby. We look at Rosemary's Baby. The problem for us now, and stuff like The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, those have all been spoiled through, you know, not through, spoiler, spoiler, not from just Alice going around everybody telling this is what happens in Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. Spoiler. This is what happens. It's, like, it's, 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 it's like the thing we did when we did recently a screen of Don't Look Now. I kind of said, look, at the start I said, how many of you have seen this? And there was maybe half people had seen it. I said, how many of you know how it ends? And like everybody knew how it yeah. ends. So we kind of know through, you know, countdown, the top hundred pop horror culture, films, all that kind of stuff. So we know through pop culture, like in Rosemary's Baby, it's the, the terrifying thing is that she's moved into an apartment full of Satanists. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the exorcist, the whole point of the exorcist when we go back and watch is there's this disbelief, is she or isn't she possessed? We know, well, we know as viewers, you know, she's, she's, she's possessed. We know, I knew, the even on the first viewing, that you were kind of saying, right, okay, this is the situation where you're watching that a family has is being manipulated into this kind of this kind of final confrontation with, with well, not really confrontation, this final end game. On the second time I watched, I really realised, hang on, this is like, you should have had maybe another three-hour film beforehand setting this up, but from the moment those credits roll those that that family is doomed and I, I maybe picked up more from the very start second time round charlie uh millie shapiro's character if i'm getting her name right that she's possessed from kind of the get-go yeah, from, from the granny dies yes there. from she's possessed i maybe didn't pick up on that mm -hmm. the first time round but on the second time round you go right okay i get that now you see that's why i really like the film you know going like like you said from the get-go you know they're doomed so I had a bit of a sick pleasure going, oh God, what's going to happen to these mm. poor people? You know, because you know from the get-go, something's wrong. What? Something's going to happen. How do you know that? I didn't know that. Well, I got, it's like the whole breadcrumbs thing. And then it's as it moves on, like I she's at the grief council meeting and you know, okay, she's been through a lot. And then there's like the hints of, you know, some sort of demonic possession and even like, even sort of abuse from My the mother herself. always wanted me to be a boy. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all that there. And the way it builds constantly throughout and then, of course, you get the insane ending because I have not been following the breadcrumbs because I was just sitting there waiting mm. to be spoon fed and I and that's that's why I go to films as well you know in books you have yeah. to have that imagination and when I'm in a film I have to you know expect to be spoon fed and to be shown the way throughout and I thought I mean I kept going out to the bathroom come back in going to anything you happened. were probably missing those like, that's why you were missing no, key moments it was like nothing has happened the whole Ouija board thing yeah. <laughs> it was like oh, uh, what was that <laughs> no but you know it was for me, yes, I'll probably like it more watching it a second yeah. time because I've mm. managed my expectations now. But it did come down to expectations. and But I will, you know, I'll put my hand up and say the whole dynamic with the family was unbelievable. Like, I really did love that. And when he killed his sister, that was... The oh, the dynamic's perfect. brilliant. Like yeah, the, the point the, for me. That was fear. That was genuine, made me feel sick. Mm -hmm. But everything else, there was what no I loved, human. What I really loved about it was the kind of... You've touched on this when you were saying, well, you loved it so much, Joe, like... Uh, Tony Collette's performance sells this film to me and you look at a woman who's going through all these complex emotions dealing with the grief of her mother but not that 
she's like, yeah, I loved her, but you know, not really kind of that upset that she's dead. Kind of going to this person that was horrible to her, that this person that was this kind of oppressive presence in her life and is just as oppressive in death as she is in life, that this effect. But you look at how she reacts when her mother dies to when Charlie dies. Yeah. Like from minute one, it's almost oh. like... It's night and day. Yeah, it's almost like... Um, it's come to me just this moment. It's almost like, you know, like in Kirsten Stewart in Twilight and whatever... I think it's the second one where she literally just sits in a chair and the seasons go past. <laughs> she literally just kind of breaks down and that, just that that was yeah. fantastic. In Twilight, no, I was no. going to say that. Was, I thought that was the <laughs> funniest Twilight, thing I ever no, seen. I seen <laughs> but, you, but, but you know what I mean. But yeah, I get that. I, I get that, that idea. Like this yeah, this yeah, sense yeah. that she just kind of that that is not that that is just the final straw that just oh, yeah. breaks her and it's she goes from being this person who's like. I think I think I remember right. I know I've seen the film twice, and I should know this, but I think she asks her husband, you know, should I cry now? Or, um, yeah. yeah. Should I should I be like, crying? What What's normal for me to do? Almost. Yeah. Like, you know. It was when it's as soon as they get back from the funeral to mm. the house, and the two go in the living room, and Charlie, I think, is visibly upset. So like she storms off, and then the son just saunters off, and then the two of them go in the living room, and he, I think, the you know the Gabriel Burns character is trying to console her and you can see that she's quite rigid and she's not moving and then he, she turns to him she's, she's not like, going to put out definitely not oh definitely not no. she's just like um, she, I think I think she's yeah the line I'm is I'm way to the treehouse something oh. I'm way to the cinema again uh, yeah. oh yes <laughs> I think you're shelling it to me Jim in the sense that I probably need to watch it again to maybe appreciate it a wee bit more I think it's just like I, I, I don't think it's you need to appreciate I think you, you probably go in knowing what you're going into this mm-hmm. time the fact, I think, when you look at the trailer, that was billed as, you know, another conjuring. And it comes at night had the same problem. The Witch had the same problem. I remember watching The Witch at the movie house cinema and watching an audience actively hate it. Oh, I loved it. Because of Ooh. the kind of the language that they kind of, this yoldy language that they were using. It was the absolutely split. Sorry, sorry, it just came to mind. It was split. I went to see it in the, when I was living in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was literally a bunch of Canadians going, what are they saying? Yeah. Like tried it, and then there was the other half who kind of knew what they were getting in for. Or were they Canadians that didn't know? Were they just too polite to even complain? Yeah, they were like, they're oh, just no, like smiling. You probably yeah. kept oh, yeah, saying, "Sorry, I don't understand." <laughs> sorry, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was literally like that. There, you either knew what you're getting in for, or you didn't know, and you just hated it because you, it was not what you're expecting. But going off on a tangent, like I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm down the witch. I adore the witch. Mm, you know, the witch is yeah, one of my yeah. favorite finales or kind of final moments oh, in the scene yeah. just whenever we we see this girl talking to I think it's Anya Taylor-Joy oh, um, just talking to this black goat black Philip and oh, it it's just like it's it's a moment of when just silence is perfect and there's nothing 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 just and the then, voice. then you hear the voice and it's like did I imagine that like, oh no I heard a voice well, the witch was terrifying but then you look at going the witch even the witch is still to an extent ambiguous in its ending because you you're still at that moment you're kind of experiencing it through her. You're not... Yeah. Yeah, it's internal fears being externalised. Yeah. But what's different, right? The, the, the witch is different because they started off on the right note as well. So they're living in the middle of nowhere. They've moved mm. and settled just their family with no support networks in the middle of a forest, basically, in mm-hmm. a clearing. Mm-hmm. And the baby disappears. And there could be nothing else to explain that but something supernatural. So a tone's been set, but for so long in hereditary... 
it was are these people doting or, or is it just that they don't get on like is there something supernatural but the thing or, is yeah, I couldn't work out where and I know you were saying yeah. like breadcrumbs were being dropped to yeah. say it was supernatural I'm like yeah but was that in someone's head so I couldn't work reality. out if it was yes well the thing is if I can probably clarify it to an extent because I do want to come back to something I know you said earlier Alice breadcrumbs were being put down in what the end game was whether or not that was going to end up being supernatural or not you know you know, you'd be pretty bummed if you did try to do a sacrifice to pay man. It's like, oh, fuck, he's not real. That'll be a pretty shit ending for a film. Oh, well, that's our life. That's our life. Oh, room. no. Why is this headless body not going to, you know, just just push it, push it. It'll Put float. grandma back it, in the grave. Because I wasn't getting any of the hints. I didn't yeah. know what Aunt Lydia was at. But the thing about yeah. it is, you've already kind of touched on this. I absolutely love that the film give, give space for a family dynamic and a family dy- dynamic that we believe from the get go and some of it like that scene what, like that whole sequence up to when Charlie you know pops her head off well no sorry loses her head I think as Tress said um, flung head off. flies away head, head flies off you know that is horrific and as you say that reaction he has that kind of sheer shock and kind of what what the fuck do you do? And oh well, just don't go, drive home and get into bed. Just I see in terms of reactions, I think the best reaction in the whole film for me is when they it's the I think it's the, the day after they find Charlie's body and I think it's and they're all sitting at dinner and um it came to light that we found out that um Tony Collette's character had tried to burn the children mm-hmm. and you just see Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolfe and Tony just sitting at the table and there's no words and then he murmurs something and you just see her go from naught to a hundred mm-hmm. yeah. and she yeah, stands up and just <laughs> let, at that point there I genuinely thought she was shouting at me. But the thing is he, I think, I don't know who it was if you mentioned, you know, that fact that she made him take Charlie to the party. Yeah. He just has yeah. the perfect, you know, yes, gut wrenching boy. And it's, it's almost kind of like she's kind it's of like read she didn't want to go. She's kind of completely kind of, she's in complete pent, control so pent up. in that situation. And it's almost as if he just, with that one thing, just puts a pin, it's like, poof, gone. Mm. You know, and she has That no, was she has frightening. Nothing. Like, that was a like, brilliant acting for her to be like oh, that. Actually, and it was that, because that was one of the, the best day, scenes. She went out to go and get the groceries and found a headless daughter in the back do, do you know if, mm, if you really imagine. think about that that was the most horrific thing I've ever seen I was like did he dream that mm. did she actually get her head and off the thing about that scene with her head coming off you don't see it's not graphic nope. in no. any yeah. way it's just sound the way it's like sun boom and then it's just silence it's just a pop and you the just close up in his face just going it's like you said sound. what do I do it's the sound. that's the best thing about the film is the sound design it's just so, uh, oh, it was the music the score the score is superb perfect. from the get go because the way the fact that I think it's Colin Stetson that the yeah, score like it's it's really dark and kind of foreboding and then in the end where it's meant to be going bonkers it's and this, so heavenly and this kind of downbeat end and it's like this is uplifting this yeah, is like, happy la, la, la. they're so happy the Paymon's here yeah. I think there's a lot of lads in it the too. thing lads Paymon's out. a creep do you know we the we thing with Paymon <laughs> I think they probably could have let off the ending <laughs> What being so like, uh, well, not obvious, like clear with it. It was like, oh, this big pagan cult and I, look at everyone. I don't think cult, there was sorry. anything ambiguous about the ending. Oh yeah, taking away the ambiguity, sorry. I think. Yeah, but I mean, it does kind of, it kind of, there is a point. It, there's, it it's a question. Yeah. yeah, there's questions there, but I think maybe what would have been good would have been, so, you know, 
you see the scene that Tony Collette's um, headless body <laughs> floating. Oh, Even talking about it, it just it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, just so but it, it's floating up to the treehouse, which we all know at this point um, has been used for spiritual needs. Mm. You know, even needs. <laughs> <laughs> even if it had got to a point where you just see her headless body just go up, and you know the the lighting in the treehouse gets brighter, and you just see the similar heads in the doorway that you've seen at the funeral, and it just ends. Yes, I yeah. actually have to agree. That was just it was just so enough. Did you expect at any point when the headless corpse, the headless body, kind of floating down, that Michael Jackson would appear and start doing the thriller video? No, no. this me, no. No, do you know what I thought oh. as well? There must have been blood in the back of her gown. Because I thought it was her hair. I thought the head was there the whole time. No, it was no, her so blood. She decapitates herself with... See, that yeah, bit when she cuts her head off. On. I thought that, but it was obviously yeah. blood. And I was yeah. like... That scene, oh, just the sound, because oh. the way yeah, the sound... Oh. Sh- 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 Horrible. And then, as I said, there's a lot of lads on the show. There's a lot, a lot of there's so much naked people yeah. everywhere. Satanists love nudity. They do. <laughs> Which can I mean, I'm I'm asking you both ladies. I know Joe, you've seen it. Have, yeah. you, have either of you seen Kill List? No, nope. I think. Is I it think, worth it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Watch it. There's, there's, you know, Kill List is just. I mean, it was the film that just made me love Ben Wheatley instantly. I think it was his second film. I think it was a Down Periscope yeah, yeah. or no. D- down, down, down Terrace or something? Yes, it was his first feature. Down Terrace. And then I saw this, and there's sequences in Kill List where you kind of sit and go, camera's going to cut away, camera's no. going to cut away, the guy's taking a hammer to his hand, yeah, camera's going to cut that away. Yeah, that bit, thank you. Ugh. Yeah, okay. and all this kind of sense of, that, that is what I mean in terms of subtlety. And they're, they're very different films, but there's a similar kind of end game than kind of that Wicker Man kind of-esque ending mm-hmm. that we get here. There's a similar kind of end game to Kill Us. They're two completely different films. I don't want to say, you know, the, oh, it's a family drama. It's far from it. These are two hitmen. And you've got Michael Smiley just being perfectly Michael Smiley. But, I mean, there's subtlety in it. Like, I mean, we have sequences where a guy's looking out of a hotel and we see, like, a, a creepy hot woman. Kind of hot to creepy ratio is perfect. She's kind of just waving at him through the hotel. We see that thank you, thank you, as he's Damn. kind of banging his hand. And then you see this at the very final moments, or near the finale, there's a sequence in like dark tunnels where it's these kind of similar cultists are kind of chasing and then an ending that is just mm. bonkers. That sideswiped me because there was no bread. Well, the breadcrumbs are there, but they're subtle as in the fact that you mm. don't know, oh, this is going to go either way. The fact that in this film, it's just kind of, as I say, it's not like they're throwing breadcrumbs. They're just throwing a loaf, a big, hard Belfast bap at you <laughs> and saying, this is what's happening. This is the path we're going down. And whilst I got that the first time around, the second time I got it is the fact, right, well, you pretty much have to accept from the moment that credit, from the, from the moment the film opens, that family's doomed. They're not saved. You're in yeah. the end game and you're watching someone not kind of, you know, go about and kind of boo and kind of kind of do scary stuff and like the conjuring. This is something that's just meticulous and as you know, it's kind of as I say, it's a family that has been shaped by this for, for, from from the get go by the the grandmother's actions. And you're watching as this kind of as I say, it's the end game. This demonic entity isn't sitting trying to just go about and you know possess boo, everybody. Possess, boo, possess. There is a plan, a meticulous plan to how he does things and what has to be done. And that's why when you watch the ending, the second time round, whilst I still have that, it is so predictable. I still go, yeah. And I, I agree with you. Like the final sequence, it's like where it basically says, this is what happens. And this makes out. it more even more special for the audience. Yeah. 
Because all went really quiet. You're and looking she's at me, Alice. You know, no, Alice, like, you look no. like you're ready. Do you know, this was something I wanted to say as well. Okay. Do you not think, when you looked at the pictures of that little blonde middle-class granny, really? Are you, you in mean? a cult? Of course that's she's in a cult. Point. That's the whole point. Like, yeah. No, I just something saw this you little... Don't expect. No, but, but, but the way they were shaping her character, they were so, like, you know, like, did you oh, expect she's a witch? crazy. <laughs> no, well, no, just... You felt like she could be... But Alice... The way, no, but Alice, hang on. she tried to breastfeed her daughter's child. Yeah, but... She did, according to the model. The way <laughs> they kind of... She's crazy woman. Yes, exactly. They made her sound absolutely nuts. And then you were sort of seeing these pictures of this little wee happy well-dressed middle-class lady mm. that looked like she was going but to church that day do you know it didn't you'd see her on the 12th you didn't you would see her I, I just wouldn't have put her it, there was a disjoint between whatever model they used for that I but was that's going, that kind of the point is yeah. it not the fact no. is it's kind of the point is the fact that she was she was promised for bringing Paymon back there was the 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 promise of untold mm. riches an untold kind of success. There's that like there's that page in the book where it's whoever summons Paymon, and it's basically it looks like Scrooge McDuck's pad. Yeah, yeah. they're sitting on gold. Yeah, and th- <laughs> even yeah. think about like the so the necklace that Tony Clatt's character wears, and the necklace that Anne Dowd wears, and the yeah. necklace that the grandmother wears. That's gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a know, gold necklace. But my thing is so, that I see you with like a monocle going up to the screen. <laughs> Aye, that's real. Do you know that's gold? Tres would be biting it. Tres, yeah, Tres would be biting. That's gold. That's good. To, that's, take that I, down here, listen. Shop. If they give me a gold necklace, I join the cult for Paymon. But, but here's I then my qu- my question. Casting or something. It didn't sit with me. My question to you then is: What if I said to you, paint me the picture of what you expect a cult member to look like? I'm going to call her Aunt Lydia because we all know she's Aunt Lydia. Mm. But her, she she did fit that spec. When you went mm. into her little apartment with the lace, there was little eccentric objects. You knew that was someone that wasn't quite in society. There was something with oh, an edge there was to something her. something wrong upstairs. But when they were... Ca- I know this is such a minor point, but it did actually go... That's why I started going off the tree. I thought the grand mm. was mentally unwell. Like, I didn't think for a second. You know, because I was like, she just looks so beige. See. You know, and then she ended up being like the prime sort of cult leader, the mm. one that you know won all the riches, the one that got the him on, you know, a she uh, was the queen. I viewed that as like hiding in plain sight. Yeah. yeah, I know, but you can read it. No, I want a wee eccentric lady. I want to know not too eccentric, but just like but that, that other actress, um, Aunt Lydia, what's her big and Dowd, mm. especially as how she was pitched. What's I thought she is perfectly. Mm pitched for this this is yeah. exactly still hiding in plain sight mm. still a lovely lady there's an edge to her and it fit beautifully I would disagree in the sense that she was hiding in plain sight she definitely wasn't I think I thought she was lovely mm, I, I to think begin, you to don't begin with trust no, people who are overly yeah. helpful like oh, no there. just you know the first you, you see whenever Tony Clark goes to the, the grievance council the first time and she barely speaks to the woman. Yeah. But the woman waves down the car and stops mm. her in the car and then immediately tells her, hey, yeah, my name is such and such, just to let you know, you know, Can my I, two grandkids I died. I she was grieving. I sort of felt like she was But she grieving. was, do you not know, she was happy when she said it. Can I ask, yeah. because the is she in, although I've yeah. seen it twice, she's not in the group meeting scene. She is. She first meets one. her she after the second. Yeah, she meets. She meets the her because because my thing when I watch it the second time around, she kind of <clears throat> waves her down, but mm-hmm. she's not coming from the the, she the was, meeting. She was contemplating. She going was to w- it. probably. She was. Um, she was going to the cinema. She's going to <laughs> cinema, and then you know even the scene where 
Tony Clark, like we all know that she's into arts and crafts. She is walking out. I mean, first of all, is there really a supermarket just for arts and crafts? Because that's totally a lie. And then Craft World. Craft World. It's not really a supermarket though. But this looked like for crafters. It is. This looked like Target for Band arts and crafts. To you by Craft it's World. upstate New York. They have everything. But <laughs> I believed her. I was all, oh, she's getting the ghosts and things. You know. But why would why would she be Look, she's doing the wee. She's doing the wee yeah. sales. Yeah. I, I have to admit, the first time. What. The What's f- this? The first when time she's sitting in the car park and she goes, "Oh, fancy seeing you here," yeah. and has yes. nothing. She's been stalking. She's her. no the, trolley. There's <laughs> nothing in the, the car. Fir- Guys, the, I'm not a cynic like. The boy. first time I I watched that, I just kind of pictured you know, like do like the way all those supermarkets have all glass. Like when she's at the supermarket, she's just kind of staring yeah. evil and culty. And then as soon as she sees her comes out of the shop and she's like scurrying back to the car, she's like, "Oh, hello, you fancy meeting?" And she's holding here. like a paintbrush. Like I just came for this specific paintbrush. Yeah, it has security tag in it. You didn't pay for that. <laughs> Oh. And then guys are perceptive. I'm sitting there going, no. This but I, I think, reasonable. I think that immediately I thought she was scurrier. I think that to. comes from, you know, the fact that there is nods to Rosemary's Baby. There is nods to the access. Like Rosemary's Baby, there, it, like it, it's if you if I showed you, like you're talking about. Okay, granted, they're a bit weird, and I've forgotten the names of them in Rosemary's Baby. But if I showed you photos of the, the Satanists in Rosemary's Baby. You know, that's not what you expect. You know, no. That's no, not what no. you expect. They're kind of maddens. They're, they're a bit eccentric in their kind of outfits. But it's this, as you kind of say, hiding in plain sight and just kind of being this kind of... It's, it's What I think gets me the most about this film is the meticulous nature of how they've manipulated this family mm-hmm. and how they've kind of shaped them into this kind of endgame for their own means. And I got that the first time, and I really got it the second time. Mm-hmm. But you clearly just wanted evil. You just wanted the, the Satanist to be like, you know, Hail Satan on their t-shirt. No, shaved head. See the drama I was getting with the family. If it was going to be a horror, I wanted. Do you know those really scary little sinister moments we get in the last third? I would have liked more of them sprinkled throughout the family drama. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. That's sprinkled. me making. That's me making sound effects. <laughs> sprinkling. That's what I find the dreams to be. You know, like where she oh, sees the ants in the sun's dreams. face, and then you actually see Charlie's head the side of the road. But oh. I wasn't dreaming. Like, no, but, but I would have loved some ceiling crawling. You know, a wee bit of I, a 15, 20 minutes in. Oh, something's going some on. Some of the dreams are on. Some of the dream sequences, like I was talking to Lee Forgy, who's our features editor, and he was kind of saying, "Oh, there's so many, like you know, just kind of jumping in your seat, shocking moments." And I was mm. like, when I watched, I was like, "Really? No." And he's like, oh, but Jim, the, the sequence with the ants. And you're like, it didn't it's creep. It was jump. really, really well done. It was really, really well done because it's like a dream within a dream. Because then we mm-hmm. have kind of Tony Clark kind of saying, uh, I tried to miscarriage. Tried to, uh, oh, that I tried was to miscarriage. abortion that thingy. That was me. terrific. Yeah. You're, you just see his horn. and you're like, oh. But it, it's, it's Tony Clark's reaction. It's like the moment mm. she says it, it's like, oh, that can never be Whoops. taken back. <laughs> that can never, ever be taken back. Yeah. And it's great we have... I'm trying to think of other well there's other dream sequence where he's in his bed and he sees but he Charlie sees the, he sees Sorry. the grandmother in the corner he, yeah. of the room as well yeah he, he hears the click and that, it turns into a it, but it just it wasn't yeah. a jump it was just a gradual like fade of the light yeah. that, that's what the best thing about it was it was just yeah the, the camera just kind of turned and it was there and you were like oh there she that is. sequence because that's really early that's Tony Collette and she's reading the books for, the, for her mum and she looks round and she's in the room and that's right looking, so yes. it is. and you just see the outline and it's still, like I'm thinking about now, and can, you can't say it's a podcast. Like the hairs are going. It just give me the proper like mm-hmm. ABGBs. But then, 
The second time you watch it, you go, right, let's talk about throwing a Belfast bap at you. You know, then there's the scene, it's like where she's reading the book, like, appar- it's like apparitions or mis- there's yeah. something about it and you're like, oh, come on. I know, see, that's when I went, oh, here we go. And so it all starts. And then it all just after that rolled into the yeah. supernatural. I don't know how you could have twisted the ending. I, I, I genuinely don't know how you could have twisted it. Maybe the only thing for me was that the end game was to bring the grandmother back. That was something mm. that maybe, but then that's not, Paimon and then we've you know it's that is my ultimate grievance with this film is the fact that I, I came out of it and about halfway through I was like this is gonna play out okay did I envision you know a headless corpse you know hovering its way down into a, a thing no I admit that not but did I see that their ultimate end game was to get Mr. kind of pseudo Donnie Darko you know uh, Peter Alex mm-hmm. Wolf's mm-hmm. character that was involved I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I got that um, and that's the thing the whole stuff with him and the school it reminded me so much of Donnie Darko and this idea because there's so much this is where I talk about film throwing breadcrumbs not sorry I talk about the film throwing like loaves of bread at you like in the school they're talking about predestination and your fate and things and this like that and you're like oh come on come on you don't you're looking at you, you didn't pick any of this up no of course I didn't <laughs> You were, the you were in the bathroom at that point. I was going there in class. There's nothing important to see here. There's people going into a later screen and she's already spoiling <laughs> it to them. Yeah. And, you know, coming back to, obviously, we've, we've commented on Tony Collette. I think Alex Wolfe is, is an actor and this is really good as well. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is showing my age, but Alex Wolfe and his brother, Nat Wolfe, um, were both in a TV show years ago on Nickelodeon. It was like the Wolf Brothers and they played this like, it was like stereotypical like band. Um, and the first time that I seen Alex Wolf years later was in My Friend Dahmer. Mm-hmm. And oh, I remember, I remember watching it and going, I, God, I know him. And his mannerisms, the way he was acting, I was like, yeah, yeah, I've seen you somewhere else. And I remember Googling and, and being like, God, you're that wee scrawny oh, child. You better not have been Googling during the film. I was not the film, mm-hmm. don't worry. Um, and then even I know gone off on a tangent, but even his brother, I don't know if if you sing Death Note, like his brother's in Death Note, Ooh. and he's oh 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 god, <laughs> he's good in that. Um, but you know his performance in this, some people would maybe say would have been quite stereotypical in the sense that oh you're just this wee stoner kid that doesn't really care. No, he did a good but no. his, you know, his reaction to what happened with his sister, mm, that, yeah. you know, his reaction to how he is with his mum, even the scene which I think is just any time somebody brings a Ouija board into a film, a horror film, I just switch off. Mm. So you know the bit whenever they bring in the Ouija board and um, it's genuine terror in his face when mm. he, he, he like yeah she's forced it's like go oh, no, put your genuinely hand. scared and yeah, it'll be um, all right it's all right. Don't That's why I love I love Gabriel Byrne. That's he's like, like cut the fucking bullshit here. Like, I know, you know he's just like you know and he's the, like the rational thinker, but um, he does nothing. <laughs> he I think his character and Tony Collette's play off really well. I think what probably led to down for me in the end is, I suppose because he's possessed, but just that willingness, you know, to accept everything that's happened. Yes, he's possessed, but you see him almost zombified and you're like god you could play that far better you know when he, he's just like but tranching I, I behind his mum because he died like when he literally threw himself out the window that time that was you know See, well i'm sorry i didn't even, like i thought he was still alive you know what i mean like the father cursing jumping out i did i thought he was still yeah, alive he, the yeah. other reviews i read said he hit his head and died and that, that's why i interpreted it as when i watched it like i didn't picture that he died i just pictured it that you know you look at 
he, he's basically playing what Millie Shapiro's kind of doing from the moment mm. you first hear the can't do it anymore. My mouth is too dry. The he, you know, when you hear that, it's like right because that because yeah, her character she's she's also because the fact that she's, I well, it's not hinted at. It's it's quite clear that then this is where you start to get confuddled. Is is it as a result of the possession she's classified as special needs in this way, or is it the fact that she's? And I'm not saying this. I'm not going down this way in any way to kind of offend people. But is it the fact that she's seen almost as an empty vessel? That mm. this character, because I mean, I've I've read an interview with her where she kind of says that yeah. there is not a lot of Charlie there for Paimon at the start of this film. You know, that's all kind of Paimon. See, I agree with you because that goes back to your point. You know, when go, you, you were talking about them all the way, the grandmother was breastfeeding her from birth, so she was kind of preparing right from the get go. There was never a chance for Charlie no. to grow or develop. Yeah. But then you find out later, Paimon needed like a male vessel, so yeah. she were like, "You're kind of, you know, you're not what I want, but you'll do for now in a way yeah. until we can you know, I, move things forward." I think it was a where the film maybe did. I did expect it didn't expect it to be the downbeat ending. Mm-hmm. I did ex, I didn't expect to see you know Tony Collette's headless cor, headless corpse kind of hovering down and kind of be you know ultimately the rise of Paimon, hail Paimon, to be at the end of the film. But I did expect it to be the ending of like let's you know let's good ultimately triumphs this you know, good doesn't triumph in this film you know no. evil prevails and probably in the same way like when you look at say rosemary's baby to bring it back in the final scene of rosemary's baby rosemary has given her baby that we don't really i don't think we see we just see the eyes and this kind of satanic you know this satanic entity and she turns to and as a mother just like she smiles so it's almost as if i say you know there's still a downbeat ending there but i I think that's maybe I'm I'm kind of rambling, but I think it's it's my sense that I that was maybe the only gut surprise for me is the fact that the ending was so downbeat yet you, strangely uplifting by the soundtrack. You did hit the nail on the head. It was downbeat, whereas it could have ended on this really tense note without you seeing too much, like without the head being severed off, without all these people naked people being around him, without him firing himself out a window, without the body then levitating and going in, and without him going up into the treehouse to actually see all these naked people worshiping. You know the sister's head if they'd taken out all of this obvious horror mm. right at the end and left it so you think you see people in the woods more ambiguity you th- yeah see if that end was left more ambiguous like the film was yeah. i would have been a lot happier because it is that's what it came down to for me because there is that sense when we first kind of see the cultists near the film's ending and it's Mr. McGrinny McGrinface, who was at the start all of the of film. Them, yeah. You know, oh, yeah when you sp- oh. when you, when you yeah. see him the first time it's just kind of like dude is there a lad grinning away there in the background at a funeral they're all absolutely beaming that this woman's dead but talking about when you're there (laughs) talking about ambiguity and shadow and kind of how the film uses light you know there's that scene where peter wakes up just before all the madness descends and it's kind of just like he's awake and you're kind of going is there there's someone up there there's someone up kind of like and i'm like is it is it and then it kind of it does that perfect scene and then it does a cheap scene where she just kind of weirdly hovers kind of across you know and yeah, I was like that, that's a cheap scene that didn't really work but that other scene of just stillness and they do it again almost you know when he, when she goes down yeah. and he finds his, his poor old Gabriel burnt to a crisp and you mm. see her kind of motionless and you're kind of it's all about kind of a DOP kind of just knowing the perfect angle the it's timing like, do you know what yeah. that was perfect see when he woke up in a dark house and nobody seemed to be in and the, the white just that's, the white dress that's, that's everyone your has that fear, fear yeah. yeah like we're, we're, look in the corner of your room everybody? what is that what's up there what's there? What's under my bed you exactly know? it was the not being able to see around you walking through the house in the dark 
nobody seems to be there. What's going on? That that itself was my dice smell burning. Completely creepy. Why? And then it, it just goes ridiculous, it goes and it's ridiculous. like. His mummy starts whacking her head. Oh, it seems great. She chases him up repeatedly. Yeah. I'm like a demon would catch you. Repeatedly, banging her head off the door. Do you know the way the mum runs after him? She comes down from the ceiling and oh, runs up. Yeah, and he locks yeah, himself yeah. in the attic. I'm like, look, come on. She was able to levitate and take her head off. She would have been I able think, to catch him before he got into the attic. Is that just a case of just a demonic end? As I come back to that point, I, I've kind of said a couple of times, you're the end game. It's the fight. You know, you're beyond. It's like you're playing a game of chess. Knowing, you know, all your men are all your kind of what's the term for pawns? All your pawns, all your pawns are you're going to be defeated. There's no way you're going to win this, and it's just kind of someone just kind of just just easing it. I I agree with you. He probably could have, you know, easily just boom, done demonic stuff. But you know that that actual scene of her banging into the head is just oh no, stupendous. You kind of want to know how did they do that? Well, imagine because I was reading about the same scene of you know when we see Peter. Banging his head, like I mean, that was meant he to be a, that was meant to be a stunt table, or a foam, really? a foam table. But he kind of actually like they didn't the wrong table was was used, and he properly wanged his head against the, Ooh, the, the so that. the blood in the scene it is actually, actually his, is. which reminds me of the scene. Did it break in, his nose? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but it, but it reminds me of the scene in is it Django Unchained with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, when he, he kind of, bangs he, his fist. He bangs his fist and, yeah. and he broke his hand in the glass <clears> and just kind of just refused to break character and just put the blood all over the character. Yeah, it's very good. But um, yeah, it's there's, there's there's a lot of kind of foreshadowing in this film, which you kind of maybe you get more the second time round. Like we see the scene like with the pigeon and kind of Ugh. creepy kid, and then when you look at even the kind of telephone pillar or whatever it is, the big pillar that she hits. And then you just see the wee tiny markings you on the, the pillar. You see the symbol when they're going out and then you see the symbol yeah. coming back again. So you kind of can view that on the scene. I know she was struggling with her thing to get her, but like, do you think there was that part of payment and it was like, yeah, time to go, Charlie. I'm ready to, you know. Well, then you look the at like, thing. as I say, it's like this is a different say, well, this child is... Because I need to break the mother in, all, yeah. in order for all these like dominoes to fall a certain boom, way. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. As I said, it's the end game. This happens, this happens, this yeah. happens, and we do this. It's As I said, it's the end game. There is no way... It's, as I said, it come back, it, that's why I have the problem with the film and the fact that it kind of just kind of bangs you on the head and kind of talks about things and kind of leaves loaves of bread rather than breadcrumbs. I know I'm repeating myself. I apologise. But it's like that, all that stuff like about destiny and predestination, all those kind of discussions in school and we see all that kind of stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, we get it. You could have, you know, show, don't tell. Do, do, you know, kind of just do, you could have done a lot less and I think you could have much, much better end game or end product. Which brings me on, because I know I put a few pictures, I'm going to throw these out because we're going to wrap up soon. But I know I, I put it out on Facebook earlier on, if I had anyone any thoughts, I know I'm, I might be getting the names wrong here. Um, I was kind of reading in between a couple of people posts. Uh, Jane Lamont and Sarah Louise were having kind of different, a bit like us, kind of different reactions. But Sarah Louise meant th- made this point, and I had read this that the film itself was going to originally the original cut came in at three hours. All right. And she kind of said, like I think it was someone said that the thought that the final sequence was quite rushed. Do you feel that the film could have done been been better had we had a longer cut? Of no, his no the I think the second act sags a bit. So if anything, you could have cut a bit more of that. Mm-hmm. But with that, I can kind of see with the third act just to give the like instead instead of it feeling so like you know rushed with the horror elements, and you know, just space it out. But it's like you said, maybe just sprinkle, sprinkle a few things more out rather than just rush it all in the last fifteen minutes. You know, or sprinkle. maybe more. I don't know. 
So it depends on the horror film. Not all horror films really go on the context, but I'm not saying spend a full hour about the cult. But you know, if there was some sort of maybe just that wee bit more explanation, mm. you know, where where did Paymon originate? How did it start? That's for the prequel. You see, Therese. that's what I. I of, hope they don't start. But all I that. don't. I like that it didn't do that. I like the mystery behind like you don't know what this entity is you get a little bit he's like one of the kings of hell and that's about it but i think that's what makes it end so much more ridiculous mm. is that he's he's made out to be this king of death because and then the the go towards the end and it's like violins and choir singing and they're like ah it's great but i think that's that's <laughs> kind of just i get what you're saying is that not just a director Seems trying ridiculous. to say is that not a director just saying to his composer this is we're going for the absurd here yeah this should be we should have this big massive you know clonking dark kind of gloomy you know kind Operatic of what, what we get at the kind of the score what we get at the start as the camera's kind of zooming in on this dollhouse is kind of what you would expect to see in the film's finale. Yeah. But it's mm. this absurdity of the fact that it's like, and I think as you mentioned, Joe, for the cult, this is what they wanted. They've got their end game. They've got what they wanted. Mm. They have the their rise of Pima. So the music's for them and it kind of is... Celebration. To, it's to kind of probably throw you off and make you feel uncomfortable. more uncomfortable than what you are. And I, 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 I think it works. As I, say, I still come back to that sense. I'm, I'm, dis- I'm still disappointed in it. And I think there was... Even in second viewing, I think there's so much more you could have done by doing so much less. Like the the bit with the floor mat just bugs me. It, it bugged me the first time and it bugged me the second time. And I'm not just saying this because Mark Kermode brought this up in his review, but it's true. You know, the moment you mean any area of mystique about that character at all is evaporated. You don't what? trust her anyway. But when Tony Clegg goes, Oh, my mother used to make floor mats like this, yes. it's like, I'm sorry, hang on, why are you not then going? Did you not even... I don't even think Amazon. she says... Why do you even go to this woman's yeah. house? No, but it's not that. But it's like... I don't even think she asked, did you know my mother? It's, it's just... It's, yeah, the, it, the fact that that doesn't drop... Yeah, like you said, the penny doesn't drop with her, but everyone else is kind of going, are we like, the only ones what? to see this? Yeah. What, what's, what's happening? You know, I'm not quick. And I got that. Do you know... You so weren't out at the toilet or getting money. The low you know, in the As soon face. as I saw that mat, I was like... <laughs> okay well that's that then you know um, and if I'm getting that that means people will it will have irritated other people that will have been getting the tiny breadcrumbs yeah. as they've gone I along. think probably yes. would have worked better would have been you know Tony Clett stepping on it taking the shot and just walking on in and then later on whenever she actually finds the books yeah. in the boxes and she and she doesn't even have to like mention the mat she just lifts the mat sets it aside and then we go Actually, yeah, just wait, for yourself seen, to click. You were right? like, no, we've no seen them somewhere else. Yeah, I agree with you. Because what you could have done, you could have had the opening of the boxes at the start of the film. Where I think you do see them at the start of the yeah. film. Yeah, but she just closed them. Yeah, she closes it over and she's like, let's put away that book. And that kind of, there's that quote about, you know, all the, the I'm sorry about the things I made you go through, but trust me, your rewards... Coming or it's on its way or something. Will, 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 will finally come your way. I agree with you. I don't think we... It's it's that idea. It come back to the thing with the EpiPen. It's like, you don't need that. You don't need this sequence where you kind of go... It's not even that. It's like, is there nuts in that? No. Because you know you're allergic to nuts. You could have done, you could have done with that. But then two seconds later, we have Tony Clegg going, because we don't have your EpiPen. Because you know yeah. you're allergic to nuts now. It, it's that moment. It's like where the... It, it's kind of like the, the screenwriter's kind of saying... It's the opposite of what Chris Nolan does. 
and as was kind of no time I scribbled down here. It's what I love with Chris Nolan. Chris Nolan takes with the film, whether you like him or not, I know I'm a known Chris Nolan fanboy and I'll probably bore you all about this, but it's the kind of inception moment. It's like, hang on, whose dream are we in now? It's like, if you're not keeping up, I don't care, you know, but for the audience that's keeping up with us, come on, you're going to get your rewards in the end. But do, do you not... Do I don't you, keep up. But so say for... Right, I totally need spoon fed. Say for example, um, what I said there was that you seen the map, you see Tony Collette sta- step on it and then it zooms in. Yeah. And then a few scenes later, you see her sitting there and she just, even if she just looked at it and was like, oh, and then threw it aside, would you have got that connection? Probably. Yeah. Or what it if... It doesn't have to be that obvious. What if, yeah, even as you're sure. kind of saying, what if the camera zooms on the mat but she just is completely oblivious to it yeah. and then no, later she, on... Yeah. She pays yeah. no attention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon it, as you say my mother made those, you're like, oh. Too obvious. Yeah, and then even even the aunt died's response. She was like, "Oh, really? I there." She says something like, "Oh, really? I just thought they were very unique." Yeah. And it's like, "La da da." All the cult have those. All the cult have one each, and it's just like you've rehearsed everything. And I suppose it comes down to that plan. Yeah. But you know, everything's been rehearsed to get yeah. her in and get the kids in, and then you just kind of know their worst. you know her grandmother has said right this is the playbook they know what they're doing they know what they're going to do and they know they're hard to get it and it's the moment where she's in the house and she's they're doing the seance is the moment where you kind of go right the venus flytrap has kind of cooled over mm-hmm. your your gut because no matter what you do the minute you kind of go home curiosity is going to get the better off yeah. you. and it does because you kind of like i think you see her she's kind of up and she can I think she has the dream with the kind of ants mm-hmm. and then she kind of wakes up from the dream and she's like hang on hang on Gabriel Peter no sorry well, I'm not calling by his proper name you know Steve um, Steve Steve sorry I'm being mad come on Steve come on Peter let's go play with this this kind of this wheezy board stroke weird candle so you don't need to be sleeping in the middle of the night come on we'll, we'll go talk to your sister Wakes two of them up. We'll talk to her in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my mind, roll what, over. What I would have loved, actually, just talking about how things could be done differently, is even if that sequence, because it, it didn't say they had to be in the room with her, it just said they had to be in the house. So if they were both still in bed. And both no, still I read something hands. where they did do a version of that, where they still were in bed, and yeah. she got up and done that herself. Like, you know, she actually went into the bathroom, Yeah. and she done it herself, and then something must have happened that woke it was them, and whenever, that's when things start to unravel. It was whenever... Um, Charlie's her book you know the book that mm-hmm. she used to draw oh, yeah. in that's when she noticed whenever she starts doing the sketch of the brother with his eyes crossed yeah. out and then I think she takes it and she runs and she's like I've just done this you, you just need to say in the middle of the night yeah Um. I can't again I, I know I'm only nitpicking but those are little things where you if it would be me I would do that different and you just kind of sit and wonder to yourself going is that someone from, and I, I'm always conscious of this now, of films when they're test screened and when it's a case of, oh, that wasn't really obvious. I didn't really get that connection from A to B. Right, well, we've got to insert a little go back and do a call back and we've got to do a reshoot and we'll do this scene where it'll make it much more obvious. This A to B to C to D to E, etc. You et would have been much more insidious and you wouldn't have been able to put your finger on it if you're, if Anne... You know, the, Joan, the friend, um, the grand's friend that you figured out later that was being this sort of emotional support to her. If she... Now, this is what I found odd too. She, the grand was living in the house, but the mum and the family had no idea of her at her circle and didn't know this lady Joan was a friend. Mm-hmm. Imagine Joan was coming to visit all the time before she passed. 
I thought she was a family friend the whole she time, was a fully aware friend. of that. And then that's that was more that was a bigger deceit and that was more insidious mm. than false sense of security. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because you wouldn't Could have been put very your interesting. Out of yeah. yeah. Because like you said, you're meeting them in the car park, you know something's going on with her. I didn't put my finger on yeah. for ages, but you knew something was wrong with that character. Because with that then is so um I think when it, the scene after the funeral, I, I could be making this up, but I think Tony Collette comments on how many people were at the funeral and how many people she didn't know were mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. You would remember Creepy Grin Guy, though. Oh, you would remember yeah. Creepy um, Grin Guy. So, you know, so say, for example, Joan was, you know, Aunt Joan. Every, you know, she was always in the house. Good old Aunt Joan. And then Creepy Smiley Guy starts just following Tony Clatt all of a sudden and then she would go back to Joan and says Joan you know I'm feeling really weird about this guy and then it comes in the end that the two of them are actually working together that that would have been a wee bit more like oh god and she could be like oh no don't worry about him he's just a weirdo oh. just you know ignore him that's whatever just, that's Jeff yeah it's Jeff he likes to walk <laughs> he likes to walk around naked get the lad out that's what I think does. what we're getting from this is that we should probably reshoot it ourselves and I think so, yeah. see how it went I don't yeah. know if That's I could afford name. Tony Collette's fee though. Um, I could I do like a, a Belfast version. <laughs> oh God, be true. Just Here, so, so much. Apparently, there's Oscar insights for her, so I think if we uh, fire I, another one in, I can't fault it for. I mean, I yeah. cannot. I can't fault her performance at all. You know, she's she's perfect. Like there's that se- the sequence in the kind of the self help group is great. Yeah. The sequence with round the family dinner is great. There's this. Stuff even when she's just kind of sitting, I know it's just so, like even just with her family at that sequence when they're doing the kind of like the the incantation. Well, they don't realize it's an incantation. Yeah. That sequence where it's this kind of this 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 shape of this kind of this 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 woman that seems so bereft of of anything. She's just, just an em- almost seems empty, emotionally empty, and then we see this this flicker of life coming back. But and when you know when you know second time round especially. Even first time, you, you know it as well that it's a deceit, that it's mm-hmm. someone who's being manipulated, and you kind of see the fact that this is why she is such a complex kind of individual. Like even just scenes, I'm just rambling now again, but another scene I love, and it's just there's no word just spoken, just a visual. It's the fact it's like whenever Peter's coming back from school, and he's cycling back to school, and the way the camera moves, and he's kind of like. Oh, I really don't want to go into the house. I really don't want to go in the house. And he's kind of sitting there or standing in front of the house, the front door, and eventually goes in and the camera moves and we realise Tony Collette's just sitting in the car. In the car. And even just the fact yeah. she's like, oh, I'm going to go to cinema. It's a woman, she's, she's, she's struggling clearly with depression. And you can't, oh, it's, I... I and, she just, she, and she just, obviously later on, tells him that I, I was waiting until you, you left, you know. Mm. Even dealing with that, that, being so afraid of seeing your son that you you basically have to hide yourself in a car because you don't know what you would do when obviously we know what she does eventually but that amount of grief that she's sitting with being like I I can't even face my I can't face my son because he goes so he goes off to school whenever you know whenever she finds the head so they don't even see each other at that point Mm. Yeah. And he's coming home the day after finding the head and she's like, yeah, I, I can't even, I can't look at him and she just drives off again. I think my only thing, another gripe I had with it, <laughs> when I watched it the second time especially, there's a, this is, I think if you just watched it straightforward, you would think this is, this all kind of transpires over maybe 
a few days or weeks. I think there's a much longer time period because from the moment when, you know, um, Charlie dies and we see her just bent over at the grave, just wailing, just completely consumed by grief. And then we see her again going back to the the kind of loss support group. It, it's kind of hinted that it's a lot longer time period like it's maybe yeah. been a maybe been a month or two months in between those incidents mm-hmm. i think that's only thing that's only it's a small niggly thing but i think if you just watch it straightforward i think you would think that this maybe takes place in the space of like a, a couple of weeks but i think it's it really transpires over say i would say a few months yeah just that the passing mm-hmm. of time so we all seem to be mostly interested and gripped by the family drama rather than the horror mm-hmm. of paranormal yeah, I, I agree with you. I, both work. Both, I think both work. And I think, whilst I have the problems with the ending and the fact it's predictability, I think it's because you have that first half that it's so strong and you're so, you find yourself so invested by these characters is the fact that then there is that sense of some kind of... You're scared because you care. You're scared because you're scared you care. And you care about those characters by the, fine, by the time that kind of final badness descends which i think is maybe you didn't really get that in kill list i know it can only really come to you joe because you don't really emotionally engage with those characters in kill list no because they're all villains in their own right yeah like there's there's like their their morals are just completely you know when we cut her almost like you know like you're basically the two main characters are hitmen like you know they've established that then you know these are bad people and you know by the end of it you're just like you know you are but still didn't stun by the whole lot yeah yeah, I agree. Like, which brings me, I want to wrap things up because we've been talking for just over an hour. The big thing, I think a lot of this kind of, I think from coming back to how we started talking about this, a big problem I think all of us is the kind of the marketing. How it was sold, and a big thing of that being how it was sold was that it was this generation's exorcist, which I, I don't really get because part of me still thinks this generation's the exorcist is still the exorcist, whether, you know, that's just me, but, you know, Coming to that, like I mean, I know I asked you this before we recorded to give you time to think about it. Do you think there is a film that you would consider to be our generation's The Exorcist? Um, I I I would completely agree with you in the sense that The Exorcist is The Exorcist. It's a standalone film, and how many times they've tried to remake it, regenerate it, you know, the exorcism of Emily Rose, everything like that. They're never gonna get that. That scar, as effective as it did, you know, and considering it was made so long ago, it holds up the test of time as one of the scariest films ever. Um, I would say maybe within the past year or past couple of years, um, one of one of the biggest films I, I was scared, scared at was It Follows. Mm. Um, I didn't see it in the cinema. Um. I had watched it at home, and I suppose I probably would have been a lot more scared if I'd yeah. seen it at a cinema. Um, I saw drunk, and <laughs> and you know, it's it's that it's that's a real big supernatural entity in that. Um, but I suppose the the thing that kind of frightened me the most was um, the main character's just performance the whole way through, mm. her, her desperation the whole way through that. Um, now, I was going to say that I related to, not that I relate to that desperation, if anybody's <laughs> seen it, it follows. <laughs> um, but 
it, it gripped me and it, 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 gen- it genuinely did scare me and um, I suppose maybe another one to touch on quick as much as I love the original it was was Ugh. was pretty g- I <laughs> no I thought it's it was pretty good I don't think it's scary but it's fun it's fun it. I enjoyed it the opening was really scary. I wouldn't compare it in line Georgie. of The Exorcist. That's shite. But it was... <laughs> I suppose... So suppose me and Alex, me and Alice have had our, our grievances about this film, so Jim, we, yeah. can, we can give you that one. Um, but I suppose come back to it. The Exorcist is The Exorcist, and I don't think See, anything will trump it. The thing about The Exorcist, right, is why I love it and why I kind of really think it stood the test of time it has its scary moments, but when I watch it, and it was one of those films that was the video nasty, it was banned, and you didn't watch it until you know it was eventually deemed that the BBFC would screen it, allowed it to be shown in cinemas, and watching it the first time, going, "Hang on, this is what what this is scary is maybe what eighteen nineteen in Oma cinema." It's only when I got a bit older, and again, it's it's the fact that for me, The Exorcist is a film about faith, it's a film about you know a mother's faith, putting her faith in the hands of science and the hands of doctors and finding that that's no use. A priest finding his faith again. And those are things that I really engage with the Exorcist when I know I went to screen see the cinema at the Belfast Film Festival at the church last year. When I watch it, that's the things I find the most engagement. You know, when we see Karis kind of a man who's broken and has lost his faith, who through an, an encounter with a demonic presence regains his faith, albeit very, very quickly, you know, because he doesn't hang around much long. Sorry, spoiler for spoiling The Exorcist. But that's why I love The Exorcist. And that's why I think, whilst I maybe come out of Predatory maybe slightly downbeat, it's a film, I think, that's still sticking with me and staying with me. And it's the things that we've all agreed with, as you mentioned, Alice. It's touching on on family issues and a family dynamic and a family being torn apart, particularly by grief and how you kind of cope with grief. And those are things that I think the Psychoanalytical Movie Club will kind of pick this film to, to, to put to pieces whenever they've any get a chance to see you. I know I've went off on a tangent, you know, before I can... I, for me, I, I have to be honest, but the closest thing I'd say to The Exorcist I think we've had is kind of in recent years would probably for me be The Babadook. The Babadook in that sense, the fact that it's a film that on one sense, yes, it's all about a, a presence and a horrible, nasty thing happen to a child, but it's also that pedophobic kind of sentimentality and mm. this kind of this mother who's filled with rage and anger that her son's birth in, invertedly was responsible for the death of her husband. You know, that's because the fact it's a film with, with layers, as Homer Simpson would say, it's like onions. Hereditary, I wanted to have those layers. I just don't think it has the It has that similar kind of Babadook kind of that pedophobic sentimentality going through it. This mother who's angry at the her son, like she says, we said she says and states, "I tried anything I could possibly do to have a miscarriage," and it's how that affects their relationship. Like waking up in the middle of the night, covered in petrol, surrounded by them, how she just did not want that child. But you see that there's also a sense that she didn't want that child because of the fact. She knew deep down. She knew deep down because she was being manipulated. That's just by, yeah. 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 Because she was being being manipulated. She didn't even know. It was in her subconscious. That's yeah. just kind of... Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> good we're wrapping up because yeah. I could talk yeah. about this for days now. But I kind of... I threw in, I threw in the Babadook, Joe. What about you? What if you do, you... do you think there is a this generation's exorcist? Part of me still thinks this generation's the exorcist is still yeah. the exorcist. No, no, I, I'd agree with you on that there. Like, it, it is a near-perfect horror film. And it's like kind of goes back to what John Carter once said about like horror films. If you get the characters right and the, like the drama right, you can go as wild as you want with it, and people will still buy it because they're invested in that there. Mm-hmm. And that's why The Exorcist still holds up 
as probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest horror film. But something for me in terms of having a similar effect is just what we talked about, like from the very stars kill list. Mm. Like for days after watching that film, because of that end, I was just disturbed. Yeah. Absolutely disturbed by it. And it's not just the end, it's like the moments tread it. Um was that because really wanted... people kept saying thank you to? That oh, thank you. Spoil it, spoil it, come on, I wanna know. Well no, you'll see it. If you, well, it. well here's the thing, right? <laughs> Without spoiling, if you've seen hereditary yeah. Hereditary and Kill List. They they they're very different films. They very cult. They're very different yeah. films, but they they finish in similar places. Okay. They yeah. have both have that Wicker Man esque ending. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just I absolutely loved it because of that because of the just atmosphere of dread throughout the tunnels. Yeah, and then the that tunnel that tunnel sequence is fantastic. But I think it was right from that moment, you know, the thank you scene. Mm. That's the bit that was like okay. This is something else. Is this is the something... pedophile priest as well. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. They find like his child snuff films, and you're like, oh, yeah. no, uh, no, don't no, thank you. No, you don't see anything, but you hear that's the worst part. No, thank yeah. It's but, it's not that the, I remember I wrote a review for it for the website, and it's not that you see it when you think of the films. You guys, you guys haven't seen this, so for anyone who's seen Kill List, will know exactly what I mean. You'll know what I mean. Yeah. When you think of what Kill List shows you, like there is a scene where literally, as we've mentioned earlier on, there's a guy who takes a hammer to his hand and just starts to bang it oh, and bang it bash and it bang too. it and you keep thinking to yourself right camera's gonna cut camera's gonna cut camera's gonna cut to that point but it no and you just see this hammer this hand that's you know just destroyed but yet it shows you that but there's this snuff scene or there's a snuff film and it doesn't show you that it shows you the reaction of Michael Smiley and I forget the name of the other actor as they watch it. Yes, I think you're right. And you're you're watching their reactions and the sounds Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of left kind of like as if something's just slowly just twisting your gut. That's why I love that scene as well. Well, as grim as it is, you start to question your morals. You're like, well, you know, he absolutely deserved it, did Mm. he, for that there? But then you're like, because of, you know, where he's accepting it at the same time you're kind of going yeah. but hang on what's going on here and, you know your head starts to spin a bit almost and then you know you're just kind of brought back into the story again and then again there's the mystery with it the but thing it's with, fantastic the thing with Kill List and I know we went off on a tangent and I, because it's Kill List I'm happily going down it is the fact Ben Wheatley didn't write a lot of dialogue he Ben Wheatley was his wife he let the the cast improvise he kind of said that this is where we've got to go these are the plot points that you've got to get through you can make the dialogue up yourself. So that's why you don't get like the, oh, my mother made these floor mats. Sorry, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm no, fixing that. Natural. You don't get that. And you do get those scenes. When you watch it the second or third, fourth time, you know, you see all those kind of symbolisms and you see all that point where the film is throwing out breadcrumbs as to what's happening. But it just doesn't feel like in the way Hereditary feels like it's got a big, heavy Belfast loop, loaf. And it's, sorry, it's got a big, Belfast loaf and is throwing it right at your head as if, as if to say come on keep up but I'm not I'm looking at you as I'm not kind of doing that you can't you're, you're I'm not I'm I'm only looking at you because I'm coming to you for your okay. next question you know see as I've asked Joe you know what do you feel do you feel we have a this generation's the exorcist like what is that film that that makes you feel that 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 response or that feeling in your gut of just See, I was a wee bit let down by The Exorcist only because it was built up so much again. A bit like Halloween for me. It was one of those movies I was never allowed to watch because it was so bad. And me, like, I was really young and I got the girls and we, we got What was it about it that let, let you down? It must have been built up too much again. Okay. And it just... And it, because it was old as well, it didn't... I couldn't relate to it in the modern day. Are you someone 
do you like i mean for you to be scared do you need to be it's like coming back to that show don't tell mm-hmm. do you need to just the showing rather scare you rather than kind of you know it's leaving me to my own imaginations okay. worse than showing me something okay so that's why i think hereditary would have worked better if it was more ambiguous at the end and it left you thinking what just happened Mm-hmm. but that's what I actually and I know the witch ended so to talk mm-hmm. about the witch what I find scary and thanks for actually raising that because there's, I can't even think of movies that have scared me as much mm-hmm. but um, the witch was brilliant because even though it got sensational at the end you knew it was getting there whatever way they presented this film or had the thread or the journey going through you knew you were getting to crazy but it was the also once again like hereditary it was that family dynamic mm-hmm. who build a house and build a farm in the middle of a clearing in the middle of a forest and I'm a girl I was a girl with guide and scout and even camping in the woods is terrifying so you're sitting there going what are you doing yeah. like, why are you in the middle of the woods you're so unprotected from everything nobody can see you nobody can hear you scream and how can your kids even interact with other people they're completely on their own and then it was the girl playing with the baby and she was doing the peekaboo and the baby disappears I swear to god in that subsequent scene myself. in the cave with oh, the, just the flash and sort of flicker of the you know the fire and you're like oh no the baby <laughs> oh it just yeah completely yeah and then uh, there's the small boy doesn't he because there's like the there's the apple there's like the old horrible yeah. witch and then mm-hmm. there's the sexy witch i'm gonna be honest i'm 35 if that was a witch and she was like come on up i've gotten a red apple i'll be, I'll be gone i'll be exactly. dead yeah. yeah but you're watching it going yeah i mean these yeah the, the whole movie brought in the family dynamic but with the supernatural like with the witch and all the horror they sprinkled it throughout and they made me understand the journey they were going through they didn't just fire it all in at the end I know the we talking t- goat was class I know we touched on this do you also get a sense that with the witch there's a sense that it could all still be in her head like with no. her hereditary it's quite clearly it's happening and this is how it's all unfolding no, with but witch, with the witch literally. you kind of sit and go I get you it could oh, that's what I mean you know it could be it could be happening, but it could also be it could also be a dream. It could also be her kind of a manifestation of madness by the point of where this film has ended yeah. and took her to. And you just what I kind of like is you know the way you were saying when Hereditary started off, you knew they were doomed. As soon as that dad left the the community and moved his mm. family out to start their own, I thought, oh, you're doomed. You're fucked. This isn't going to work. Yeah. This is not the era. But were they not exiled or something? Was that well, not the reason? Well, he voluntarily exiled oh, voluntary, because of his faith. Yes, he yes, was yes. sort of arguing with the. Like where they were is going to be too corrupt, so he must remove himself from corruption. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, and it kind of like he had different ideas of the yeah. faith, and he was going to go off and practice on his own and do his own thing, and it was like, oh man, safety in crowds. Yeah, well, I mean, the witch was another A two four production. Yeah, you know, so it was I mean, another they, back. And it was they they have I mean the witch it comes at night are their their big films that got yeah. released I mean it comes at night is a film I absolutely adored yeah I love it's ridiculous. it ridiculous so disappointed Be- couldn't have been Wait, more again did you is, see the trailer before it but again is this marketing yes, that's yeah that is the point because no it's actually both I don't think do they think? could have sold that to me in any I, way that 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 would have well then would you put it this way if you well you did see the did you see the trailer going into it or afterwards going into it right. So you were expecting like sort of maybe like a zombie sort of thing, like there's a this zombie. You expected? Did or? you expect it to be basically, bar the paraphrase, a big horrible CGI gribbly that comes at night? No, I don't actually need to say anything. Yeah. But I need to know it's actually there, and I didn't know what was if there was even an actually but there. Anything. There was the disease was the thing. Yes, and that know? to me wasn't scary. But also for me, oh, fair enough. the thing about that come the the thing about that it comes at night. I remember saying, trying to say this sentence before and it never makes sense. The it that comes at night is kind of our own 
thoughts, our own kind paranoia. of self-doubt, our own paranoia and mistrust of others. That film works because of the mistrust within that group. Talking about a family dynamic, we see at the very start of that comes at night, you know, the father, the father figure. We're not 100% certain. I don't think it's 100% confirmed. I think it is. Oh, is it yeah, that, that it they are? I, I wasn't quite certain father. if yeah, yeah. maybe they had just become a family because of this situation. All right, no. Um, that he kind of pretty horribly minces the grandfather off without yeah. any hesitation. And you see that mistrust between the son then this kind of it's the mother kind of get marginalised in that, but that mm-hmm. to me is the it that comes at night in that mm-hmm. film. The fact that this must the mistrust and the paranoia within this group, and when you're alone with your thoughts, you sit and think to yourself, "Who am I alone mm-hmm. with in in this situation?" It's like it's basically just the thing with the family instead of just yeah. a group of men. But it was yeah. built as a horror, so it just comes. It is it's still a horror though. It's, it's not a horror. It's a, it is it a horror, but this is no. It's a hard drama. We need to get a out of here. Car. We need to leave. We need to get out of here. But I mean, this is yeah. this is the thing is where it's one of my pet peeves with people who look at horror. People who think horror is you know Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. I'm sorry, Jim. <laughs> but it is because the horror is so I'm much. Sorry for the horror, horror horror genre is so much more than that. You I mean you could look at Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, and say that's a quintessential. That's a horror film. But and you can look at so many. I mean, there's film like thrillers that borrow horror movie tropes. Like Taxi Driver is a film that uses horror movie tropes and cliches. Horror movie. There's there's more. Of course, it comes at night as a horror. It's basically the short of what I'm trying to say. It's not even remotely. Shh. Sorry, you guys. Getting pretty heated in here. Oh, do you know what I'm going to say to that? It's a drama. That's all I'm going to say to that. I thought we should end. Charlie says. Charlie says. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's much left to be said. I don't know. Well, basically, before we wrap, like, Joe, you're, you were positive beforehand. I'm assuming you're still positive. Uh, yeah, I see the points that you all bring to it, but I'm still convinced. I do care. Uh, it doesn't. I, no, I do take the minor criticisms more on board, so, but I still love the film. I still think it's one of the best of the year so You're far. entitled to your opinion. It doesn't mean you're right. Therese is trying I'm to steal trying my to line. Your opinion. I'm just I have pres- to say, I'm still... I'm still disappointed by it, but I still really like it. And I'm okay. still thinking about it, which is a good for me. When you compare it to stuff like The Conjuring, as much as I like it, I always kind of say The Conjuring films and that kind of stuff, they are ghost trains of movies. They take you in, you kind of jump around, you have your scares. The composer is probably the scariest thing in any of those films. And then you come out of it and you're kind of like, oh, I enjoyed that. But this, The Witch, which we've... we've have you have you seen the witch trails? No, I haven't. No. Oh, we're, I think it was on Netflix. Yeah. Give it a. Give we're it a we're quite positive about. Um, Joe and I are quite positive about. It comes at night. Those are horror films that stay with you and kind of you kind of can unpack later. As I'm kind of saying, and it's only kind of popped up in my head while we've been talking. I would love to see the psychoanalytical movie club kind of take Hereditary That'd apart good and put it back together. I would love to see that because I think it would just add a lot more because there's there's substance there whilst it's not subtle about the substance there's substance there and coming back to what you said alice the family stuff is probably the most interesting thing and that family dynamic is probably the most interesting thing about hereditary so see i'm not always always against you um but what about you two ladies on that note like i mean have we changed your attitudes at all towards the film yes (laughs) yes (laughs) thanks for answering joe um I'm still skeptical, mm-hmm. but I would probably watch it again. Yeah. What about you, Alice? Oh, I'll watch it again, but I'll just switch off ten minutes before the end because I will have got what I needed from the film. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cheerio, Paymon. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Who needs Paymon? Who needs Paymon? Who needs Paymon? Me. I added no value to that film at all. Well, 
Obviously well, you're not going to reap his rewards, okay? <laughs> Do <laughs> it. You're not no gonna, gold ring for you. <laughs> you're not going to be able to have a house like Scrooge McDuck, because that's what Paymon has promised us, to be able to dive and swim in money, which I don't think would be that pleasurable at all. No, you'd Did probably break your neck. Yeah, it's like the thing, I think it's Family Guy does that, where yeah, they kind of jump down and he, yeah, boom, just kind of breaks himself. But anyway, we're not even going down to that tangent. Yep. Um, <laughs> so all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, Alice. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks. Thank you very much, Therese. Thanks for having me. We'll be back soon with another podcast. But for now, until the next time, goodbye.